right. Any questions before we get started? I don't think so. I think I, I've listened to it a bunch and I was like, okay, what can I prep in my head? Because this is how my brain works. I'm like, what can I pre-frame? What can I do it? And then you just can't. Yeah. You really yeah. just can't. <laughs> so we just got to just jump into it, I guess. Yeah. Right? It, it's so funny. It's a podcast on, you know, mental health. And I've had a lot of people in with an anxiety. And of course, the <laughs> first thing they ask is, what do I, what can I prep? What are yeah, you going to ask? Yeah, me? exactly. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. You just, right. <laughs> just a conversation. You can't prep for a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> the five elements of letting go. The podcast. Discussing mental health openly and freely, and learning tools and techniques to find peace. So welcome everyone to the Five Elements of Letting Go. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum, and I have with me Dr. Daxon Jones. Hello, hello. All right. Uh, I've known Daxon for almost a year now. Uh, he is a, a graduate of um, chiropractic college in uh, the New Zealand College of Chiropractic. Yes. Okay. He's a yeah. student at UC as well. Grew up here in Okotoks. And uh, his goal is to help our community feel healthier and happier. And That's exactly it. He is a, a very fun, fascinating young man. So I thought I'd have him here on the podcast and share his wisdom and experiences with us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've already got him read because I already oh, yeah. mentioned to him his uh, the the uh, Christian rock boy band he was in. Oh yeah, FX uh, of Grace. Yeah, 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 blushing. Still, still red. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take off my sweater soon. <laughs> do you, do you use that to you know sweep them off their feet? You know, I don't. I don't. I um, it's something that often gets found out. Yeah, a couple of weeks in, and or a month or two in, and like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, no, it's not. That's not what I lead with. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I was a young kid. Uh, I think we were in like grade five or six. We wanted to start a band and, you know, uh, half of us got instruments. The other half didn't. Mm -hmm. We came up with a name and it never went anywhere. What was the name? We had no talent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that is a prerequisite, but at least you had fun. We did. I think we called it, uh, instead of bullseye, the eye of bull or something. Oh, that's wonderful. That's just fantastic. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah, we never, ever did, uh, None of us ever took band or ever had any experience even after that when we thought we wanted to be musicians. I think it was just that, you know, to to impress others. Yeah, no, I love it. We, I was super lucky. All the people that I was with, they were just the best musicians. So at least we had some musicality going on. Um, The content was hilarious. Uh, But but yeah, it was, it was a good time. I look look back on those memories pretty fondly. I actually recently met up with, uh, with Andrew, one of the lead, lead singers, um, in the band, and we just chatted and just reminisced a little bit, and it was oh, that's cool. It was fun. It was yeah, fun reconnect. Gee, that's my uh, fourth musician so far we've had I mean, yeah. in here. There's a lot of musical talent in Okotoks, isn't it? <laughs> there, yeah, honestly, there is. Pretty crazy. Yeah, we had uh, uh, Tim Cortiste uh, we had on here, mm-hmm. and then we had Madison Krebs yeah, and awesome. Tanya Ryan. So that we've got yeah. all these, and now Dax and Jones. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself. Musician, but hey, here I am. <laughs> At least you're in a band. Just don't look it up on Spotify, please. Everybody listening, please don't. <laughs> oh, are you serious? It's on Spotify? Oh, and Apple Music. And How? everywhere music is found, who, really. Who, who put it, like, that's new stuff. That's 2012. Was it Was it, was it up back in 2012, or was yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was up 
during all of that it's wow we were that was something that we really wanted to do was like let's be on itunes right like <laughs> that was the thing um okay and, i'm gonna definitely put a link in oh, the yeah, uh, here we go. <laughs> the description after this things have, some things have changed since then uh, but i love it it's fantastic oh that's cool well it's always good that see that's a very positive thing when you can look back on those things and oh, yeah feel good about it and you know no, you have proud to. of it rather you than to, feeling a little because there's definitely things I was doing at that age as a kid that I'm glad there's no record of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I kind of grew up I guess in like I was what 13 when I got Facebook so like that was like right when Facebook was becoming a oh, thing yeah. so I kind of was like this cusp of growing up with it but I mean yeah. back then is when you used to post like your name would always be the first thing that posted and then yes. you would say is yes so it'd be like Daxon Jones and it would say uh -huh. is it'd be like sad today like that, yeah. those were posts uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. things have changed a little bit since then yeah it's funny you, <laughs> and then when you go back through the memories and it shows these posts because it doesn't show the jared mccollum is anymore mm -mm. and then you got these really weird posts i'm like what was i mm -hmm. what does that post mean yep because <laughs> when Super you forget confusing. that beginning part yeah because i changed it quite a bit since then absolutely have yeah and of course now young kids aren't even getting on facebook no that's not cool anymore it's not yeah. You know, you got to get on Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, what else to our kids on? Snapchat? Is that the, <laughs> yeah, Snapchat. Snapchat? Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, are you on Snapchat or TikTok? I am not on TikTok. <laughs> I grew up with Snapchat through, oh, okay. like, middle school, high school. Uh -huh. um, but no, I, I have not downloaded TikTok. <laughs> and it, I, my, mind, my mentality is if there's anything that's really, really good on TikTok, uh -huh. then somebody's going to post it on Instagram and I'm going to see it. Yeah, exactly. There you <laughs> so go. I don't actually don't need to waste any more time. Yeah. Any devices if I don't have to. That's kind of my <laughs> mentality. <laughs> Love it. So, you know, the main uh, purpose of this podcast is to discuss mental health um, and, uh, you know, talk about how it's affecting our community, mm -hmm. where we see things are going. How would you describe the current state of mental health? So, I this is something I knew you were going to ask. Yes. You ask everybody this. Mm -hmm. And did I try to prep something? Yes. Did I prep something? Absolutely not. So... <laughs> The way I view mental health and the, and the current state of it is the the mindset around what mental health is is starting to shift. I think it's no longer this thing that you either have or don't have. Mm -hmm. It's becoming something that people are understanding that it, you have to work on. And it's it's like your fitness or like your relationships that you have to put effort in to get the benefits out of it. And I think the state of mental health is good in a sense that we're talking about it mm -hmm. we are more visible about it we are yeah. having conversations and I, I think that's fantastic and there's there's a lot of cool things that are happening i think obviously with the amount of high stress that's going on in the world right now mm -hmm. that mental health as a whole has probably been lower like as a you know what i mean like the mental health actual like emotional well-being is lower yeah. than it has been in a long time but mm -hmm. the conversations are happening the awareness is happening yeah. and it's there's a lot of a lot of work to do but i think it's it's uplifting yeah. that we're at least having these conversations and we're mm -hmm. sitting here across the table having a conversation about it i feel like yeah. that wouldn't happen the same way yeah i like how you put it where now it's viewed as everyone has mm -hmm. mental mm -hmm. health yeah you know whether it's good or bad everyone has to work at it mm -hmm. and you know, take steps to keep it balanced and work mm -hmm. towards a more balanced state. Exactly. Because I don't think that's how people looked at it before. Like you said, you know, prior, you know, especially when I was younger, it was, you know, either you had 
mental health problems, you know, mm-hmm. or, or you didn't. And it was only a very, because again, the viewpoint, you know, 20, 30 years ago was that, you know, very few people had any issue mm-hmm. with mental health. And if they did, they, you know, you know, if you go back even further, if you had any concern with mental health, they would just put you in a home. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, it, of course, then, you know, then it got to the point where it was just something you were shunned and mocked and made mm-hmm. fun of. Mm-hmm. And now we're finally in a position where it's something that I do believe there's this universal acceptance now that at one level or another, everyone is working at finding that balance with their mental yeah. health. No, I completely agree. It's at one, like you said, at one level and other people are at least aware of it. They might not be doing anything to do it themselves, but at least people know that it exists and that everybody has it. And that is something that we can work on. And everybody's practice around uplifting and, and balancing their mental health is is different. And and some people are working on it more than others. And I think it's it's cool that you're doing this and that we are able to have conversations around different ways we can work on it. And and ways that work better for other people. And, and that's what's been so fascinating about listening to your podcast has been listening to what other people do. Because I know mm-hmm. what I do, um, and I know what the people around me do, and I know what I recommend to patients, but it's cool to hear other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, because even, like I had one recently with uh, Brent Culver, and it'll come out on the 22nd of uh, September. And in that discussion, he really doesn't, you know, like... His discussion of it was not as open or, you know, just doesn't seem to be something that he struggles with, Mm -hmm. right? He recognizes it, he sees it and, you know, in others and his, you know, to his certain level. But, you know, to him, he's never gotten to that point where it's been a struggle. Mm -hmm. And I still think it's interesting discussing it with people like that who, because eventually everyone does, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like when I have patients in, I remember one time last year in particular, I had in, um, a patient in her seventies with really bad anxiety mm-hmm. and a 10 year old in mm-hmm. the exact, you know, they were coming in almost in the same days and I was working with them both almost at the same time. And it kind of blew me away just that, um, the blocks you know, oftentimes older people have with, you know, mm-hmm. getting the tools and overcoming it. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, there's this like disconnect from that, that faith in themselves or this understanding just because for so long it was something that, you know, you never had oh, yeah. or you never you talked about. Talk about. So, was... so in her mind, she's never had anxiety mm-hmm. until now, you know. And now it's this whole new thing. And what's wrong with me? I've never, I was never broken before. I never, and, and I'm like, you've always dealt with this. Yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> it. And the, the mentality that, you know, it's this thing that switches on or it's this thing that is broken about you or that you have to have full-blown anxiety attacks to have anxiety. And I, I've heard you talk about that a little bit before, but it's, people are learning that that's not what the case is. And mental health is not just, oh, I'm really depressed or I'm super anxious or I have, um, some sort of challenge it mental health is every day Mm -hmm. and it's it's you see different pieces of anxiety different pieces of of mental health struggles or things that you have to talk yourself through every single day and it's not what people used to associate it with back in the day which was just this you know like you need to get on pills and go to a hospital kind of kind (laughs) of situation um but 
in your experience with with working with that person who was older and the person who was younger, were they able to cope with that differently or balance things out more effectively in different age groups? Like, how yeah. would you find? Well, I always find in general kids heal faster than adults oh, yeah. because they're not screwed up yet. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and really, like, as we, the more suffering and trauma we endure, the more difficult it is for us to let go and find that balance. Where young people haven't experienced as much, you know, suffering and trauma. And, you know, some have at very young ages, but still there's this resilience and acceptance that because they change so much, mm-hmm. they're they're constantly in the state of flux and change. And they see that and recognize that. They're adaptable. So they know they can learn and change and, and uh, move on. Whereas as we age, we have... We get stuck in this thing where like, well, I've always been like this. This is who I am. When they don't realize that we're constantly changing, doesn't matter how old we are. Mm-hmm. And if we can open up to that concept and if I could, you know, help, you know, anyone understand something, it's that there we are in a constant state of change. And anything we are dealing with, there is always a way to change and improve because, you know, you know, our our body, every cell in our body it's completely mm-hmm. new every like seven or nine months. Mm-hmm. Some some organs and cells change even faster. Like our skin is just constantly, yeah, constantly. And, and so if we can understand that we we're always in this state of change, then we can accept that and work with it. Mm-hmm. And then our mind can change. You know, our body can change. Our beliefs can change. All of those things. We can continue progress and evolve over time. No, absolutely. And yeah. and that's something I talk to my patients quite a lot about is. We want our bodies to be dynamic, to be changing, to be adapting, because that's what they're designed to do. They're designed to take all this craziness that we're throwing at it all day, every day, and take that and use it constructively, hopefully, to make positive change so we can be better. Um, and it's something that I see with my patients all the time. If if they're not changing, then that's a state of lack of health or dis-ease, right, where they're not adapting the way they're supposed to. So if we're having to adjust the same thing every time and we're not changing then we say okay what's causing you to not be adaptable what is your body doing that's not in the state of of adaptability and and being able to show them that their bodies are meant to do this and you want to be changing and sometimes change isn't just an uphill climb too like mm-hmm. the healing journey is not an uphill climb and you have that that state of flux where your things go up and down and it's just fantastic to see um that's something i talk a little bit about as well is the um three ways that our body does adapt to stress and it can either take that stress in, like I said, and use it constructively. That's what we want our bodies Mm -hmm. to do. That's when they're doing the things that they're designed to do. Or a body can take things in, take stress in and and just mitigate the change. And then you don't even notice it. That's kind of like we're fighting against gravity every day. We don't, we don't think of that. Mm -hmm. Or we're, you know, UV rays are constantly going at us and our body just handles that on its own. And then the last thing, the way our body can adapt is to do damage control. And this is often what we see in a lot of people is that they build these dysfunctional habits in, in their body and in their in their mental health as well. And they wait until that damage control builds up and up and up and we build this negative habit to the point where, okay, now we're having a full-blown issue. Mm-hmm. And now we have to work on unwinding all of that and breaking all that down <laughs> before we can kind of balance ourselves out. And I think that really just relates to what you're saying with the younger person who their body is to adapt they haven't built those bad habits yet but mm-hmm. that older person 
they've built that dysfunction of those negative habits into their nervous system their entire lives. Now they're yeah. you're teaching them, hey, there's actually something you can do about this. Yeah. And they're having to do that for the first time and their bodies are creatures of habits and they're having to learn how to how to actually do that for the first time and it they're not as malleable to change. So mm-hmm. it's just fasc- fascinating to me to see. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so interesting, you know, particularly when you're discussing stress, you know, stress only and, and studies have shown this now that stress only affects us negatively if we perceive it as a negative thing. Mm. Perception, I love that word. And so if we can, you know, change that, and this is where, you know, Taoism comes into play because, you know, Taoism uh, is directly translated as the way or the path, right? And there's this concept of wu wei or emptiness where we accept that path and we don't, um, you know, once we're on that path and we're following it we don't fight it, we accept what comes, you know, and, I, and I've, I've, I've said this before on the podcast, like, you know, the tattoos on my hands, more mm-hmm. fatigue is love your fate and accept that path, what it gives you. And rather than judging every situation as good or bad, and we embrace it as this is just part of my path and Absolutely. that what am I going to learn from this? What is it? Where is it going to take me? We can then turn that, uh, you know, stress that we call it into Too something constructive yeah that change, helps yeah. us to, to grow and improve and adapt and change and become something else but we have this this like stuckness in our heads where no i'm comfortable mm-hmm. i don't ever want anything to change and if something changes and we become uncomfortable we always see it as a negative thing rather than just embracing it as just part of life and part of our path no i 100 percent agree change is what life is life is adaptation and movement and it's just fascinating to to think of the world that way that everything that happens to you is not this good or bad thing or based off of a good or bad decision everything that happens is a a learning lesson and a life lesson to okay this is how i responded to this or this is what the outcome was for this how can i do this more effectively moving forward and that's kind of what the beauty of the journey of life is really Mm -hmm. to me i just yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, within the, uh, within Chinese medicine, when you're studying it, uh, not so much anymore, but traditionally there was eight limbs or eight, mm-hmm. eight uh, therapies that okay. we would use. And they're from like the least most invasive uh, to the most invasive. And so, and then they're from the most effective to the least effective in a way mm-hmm. because, and they're ones and they, and they kind of, uh, go on this spectrum from ones that your practitioner has to do to ones they teach you to ones you have to do on your own. Mm -hmm. And so they move from, you know, like acupuncture and herbs are at the bottom. They're they're like last resort stuff, you know, and I'm sure as a chiropractor, you feel the same way, you know, adjustments, really you want people to be able to heal themselves, Mm -hmm. right? That's what the body's designed to do. Yeah. And then you move up into, you know, like, um, uh, so we have acupuncture and herbs, and then we get into in Chinese medicine. There's like feng shui and astrology and um, uh, diet and exercise, mm-hmm. and the top is uh, the mind and how it's so through beautiful. meditation, relaxation. That is the ultimate tool for healing in Chinese medicine, and it's the one that you know we can teach and guide a patient with, but it's something they have to work with on their own. And you know, when I discovered that, like way back in my first year, you know, that's where I was just. And, and I'd, I had known this even before, you know, working as a personal trainer and all of that, seeing that people get in their way, mm-hmm. <laughs> not in their body, but in their heads most of the time. 
And when they can't um, use their mind to get themselves out, <laughs> that's when they really get stuck and get imbalanced. No, absolutely. That's such a beautiful way of looking at it. The That the mind is really the pinnacle. That's how we perceive the world. And you talked about perception a little bit earlier. And in my line of work, a lot of what I use the word perception with is pain. And you probably do too, is pain is really a perception of how we attach emotional response to a neurological input. Mm-hmm. Um, and that same neurological input for one person can be completely different in the pain level or the, the what you feel compared to another person. And if we can have our mindset around things effectively, outside of pain, in just in the world in general, you can perceive things in a certain way based on how you are looking at it, what your, what your viewpoint is and perspective on, on that situation. Um, and it's absolutely true, like you were saying. The adjustment is the last resort. It is what I do every day because the body hasn't, they haven't used those yes. multi-steps. The body yeah. hasn't adapted appropriately mm-hmm. and has kind of gotten itself stuck. Yeah. Um, it just needs a little help along the way. And that's where yeah. I come in. That's where you come in. Yeah. We rewire how the body's communicating with itself. And through the nervous system and through, um, you know, all your acupuncture points and, and, and the energy flow system, like allowing the body to communicate more effectively because it's built up dysfunction through not correcting things in that hierarchy beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can work on correcting our mindset and then giving our body the nutrition, the exercise, the water, the everything it needs to have a good function, then we shouldn't need us. But unfortunately, we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always say to patients, it's, you know, like when I explain the eight limbs in a class, then mm-hmm. patients will be like, well, why do you use acupuncture then? And I'm like, well, it's because by the time you come and see me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so far gone that we need that help and assistant to catch you, you know, mm-hmm. to that state. Um, Which but, is why it's so beautiful that kids are now starting to work on the mind and they're teaching mindfulness in schools. Yeah. And they're, they're doing yoga and they're talking about their emotions at a young age and learning that you can have a conversation with your dad or your mom or your, your grandparents about how you're feeling. You don't have to hide that inside. Mm-hmm. Um, not speaking from experience at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that you you can have these conversations. So we're teaching kids how to work on the mind from a young age so that they're not growing into adults with all these problems, that they're mm-hmm. actually able to functionally deal with these things. Yeah. When they're growing up, it's fantastic. Well, speaking of that, when, like, you know, how far back can you go to where you remember, you know, your first time where you struggled with your mental health? Hmm. That's a great question. My story has been fun. It's been interesting. I remember, I think I was like a six. I remember feeling like I didn't belong around all the other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very classical behavior of young LGBTQ individuals is when we would have family friends over, I would want to hang out with the parents and not the kids. Mm-hmm. I would want to sit around and just listen to the parents talk because I didn't feel like I fit in with other kids. So just because the way that they thought, the way that they played, the way that they interacted with the world was this binary of, you know, we're taught from a young age that men and women are supposed to be together mm-hmm. and you're playing dress up and house and man and woman and baby. And, and yeah. so I always felt like I didn't fit in cause I didn't, it just didn't make sense to me cause I didn't like women. And yeah. I didn't realize that of course until later on and fully accept that. But I think, yeah, I think it was about sixth or earlier. I mean, my memory as a child is a whole nother conversation, but my memory is awful. 
of my childhood. And I think it comes down to to trauma and to yeah, building, exactly. building those walls around, okay, this is what my life was. This is what happened, but I don't remember most of it because my body has yeah. suppressed that and now I can be constructive and, and move forward with my life. So, but yeah, I remember probably the first time I have like a big memory of actually like getting in my head and having emotional or like psychological just upset was I was watching James Bond with my dad and it was the one with Holly Berry. Do you know what was that one called? Um, oh, um, Die it, for Tomorrow or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And it was James Bronson or whatever his name is. Yeah. And then there was a scene. It was a sex scene. And I was like six or eight or something like this. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad tapping, like kind of nudging me and going, now, son, that's what I call eye candy. He points at Holly Berry. And, <laughs> and you're I'm like, just, I was looking at. <laughs> literally, I was so perplexed because I, was, I wasn't looking at Holly Berry. Yeah. I was looking at James and I was like, oh, am I supposed to be looking at her? Yeah. I didn't realize that. And I was confused. Oh, so that's, yeah. So that's when I started to suppress things. Yeah. I started to not talk about yeah. my emotions. And then no matter what my parents asked me, like, oh, how are things? How's school? Everything's great. Right. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much I was being bullied or no matter how much I was, you know, in torment about my sexuality, I was, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's just from those young, young ages of not knowing that that's okay or normal um, and having those conversations, yeah. which has been yeah, wild. That wild. just must be so difficult. You know, like I have two gay sons mm-hmm. and I'm grateful that, you know, uh, you know, we kind of set the table for them that those things are okay to think mm. those things and be there. I can't imagine, like, you know, my best friend's gay and he oh, no, didn't I, come out until his 40s. Amazing. I love it. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, I have a uh, one of my brothers, I remember when he was younger, there's two things he was afraid of. Mm-hmm. The Hulk and kissing on TV. <laughs> and um, he, so like, I can't call him gay mm-hmm. because he's Mormon. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't see himself as a gay person. Mm-hmm. He says he suffers from same-sex attraction. Oh, and Oof. so, you know, but as a young boy, you know, he, every time he'd see someone kiss, he'd cover his eyes and, you know, because mm-hmm. he was seeing something that just didn't fit. You know, and I see it now, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we tease him mm-hmm. in all this, but course, we yeah. had no clue and of course, the way we were taught about homosexuality very different was to how you taught not your kids. healthy, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, you know, and just the stuff, uh, you know, my best friend went through with trying to figure out, you know, like, and again, when when those feelings aren't acceptable, and mm-hmm. no, you can't talk to them to anyone about them. I, you know, from what I hear from everyone is this thing of, oh, I can't, if I can't feel that, I can't think about it either. Mm-hmm. And so it's not even on the table. It's not an option. Yeah. And I think that was like that for him for decades. Yeah. And just hearing your story about your kids just brings me so much joy. The way that your son at 11 years old was like able to come up to you and say, hey, dad, I'm pansexual. Like yeah. that just <laughs> blows my mind. And I just think that's so freaking cool um, just to hear that like a kid at that age had, has the self understanding to really look within himself and understand this is who I am or this is who I am right now. And that just shows like, you know, you've had those conversations with your kids and I, my, I love my parents and love you mom and dad, if you're listening, but um, (laughs) my, 
my mom had her best friend growing up was gay. Mm-hmm. Her roommate in um, in university was a lesbian, but I didn't know these things. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know any of this, and that that my my family was more open and accepting. That my mom especially was an ally to me, and that's someone that I could have talked to. Mm-hmm. But because I was not, we never had those conversations growing up. Everything around me, the world around me, going to Catholic school and yeah. <laughs> and hearing from all the kids on the playground and hearing from my older brothers, especially, was that that's not okay. Yeah, yeah, in much stronger terms, I'm in sure. Much stronger terms, <laughs> using a lot of words that I don't love. Yes. Um. So knowing that, like, that's where where my mindset was always at was like, this is something that I have to hide. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's it's so hard to wrap your head around, but just like until I was 18, when I came out to my parents, you know, you're living this double life. Yeah. And the emotional like trauma that is built into that of just hiding who you are. I mean, as you know, I was in a Christian boy band as we talked about (laughs) to start, right? I was head of the rosary club at school. I was an altar server all the way through. Um, I was a leader of youth group and I just was involved in religion in every way possible because if I couldn't get answers from the world around me, I was just going to put my energy into religion and yeah. and really focus on that. Because also, if you're the really religious guy then and you're not dating any girls, you're not doing anything with girls, then that makes sense. Oh, right? Yeah. So I use that as well as a scapegoat. So yeah. You're I, saving yourself for, for Jesus. Oh, exactly. My poor <laughs> – in high school, I had a girlfriend and – I, if you're ever listening to this, I mean, I'm so sorry, but I, she, you know, wanted to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, every single time would say like, no, sorry, that's against my religion. Yeah. And like, poor, poor girl was just like, didn't understand, but she was re- really respectful. Um, but I used, yeah, I used religion as that, as that uh, way that I could kind of excuse why I wasn't interested in girls or didn't talk much to yeah. them or with them. That kind of wow, thing. yeah, that's a that was an interesting tool you used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. got, you've got to use what you can. I yeah. mean, you've got to survive <laughs> somehow. So, but yeah, it was it was wild. What's so interesting, and I've talked to a lot of friends about this since, is um, a lot of the people I hung out with and the world that were really close to me, they're all gay now, which is so wild. We found each other, yeah, um, through school. Like for example, Tom. Yeah, Tom, who was in, in on your podcast a couple weeks ago. Tom and I were really, really close in high school. We spent a lot of time together. Yeah. Um, Tom was not out. I was not out. But you're comfortable with each other. This is unspoken. Like you just under you're, you surround yourself with people that you know you can be yourself around. Yeah. And my childhood best friend since I was four months old, when I was, he's gay now. Mm-hmm. And well, he's always been gay. He, well, he, no, sorry, he's, he's always just, yeah, he's, that's what I, he's yeah. out now. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> out now. He so he came out you no know, at like 20 or something like that while yeah. I was living in New Zealand and. Just like my one of my best friends, Kurt, he's out now. Like everybody is just out in some extent. And it's just fantastic that a lot of the people I spent time with are now in some sense on some part of the spectrum yeah. of, of sexuality and or gender. And it's it's beautiful um, yeah. that we were able to find each other and kind of help each other through. Because, I mean, without friends and without people, like when you're trying to cope as a kid that just yeah. feels like you don't belong. It's Well, and I'm sure there's that feeling of um you don't you don't even have to express it or mm-hmm. say anything but you can feel that that kindred spirit that 
you're suffering in some way. I'm not really sure. We're not saying anything, but I can feel it. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, <laughs> you know, um, gay men, majority of the time, are much kinder and open and mm-hmm. supportive because they're, you know. They're empaths a lot. Yeah, and yeah. they're bucking that trend of toxic masculinity oh, and they day. don't they don't feel yeah. good in that realm of what a man is supposed, supposed to, to be. be no we don't and so they kind of reject it and i do think you you know uh you know others feel that connection and feel that okay i feel safe around you anyway because mm-hmm. you're not trying to be that exactly and it thing. was just magical that we all found each other and um i had a mini little pride weekend with two of my best friends um over Pride what was last weekend, two weekends ago, um, over the long weekend. And we were just sitting and reminiscing about that and about how the universe works in such weird and wonderful ways and how we were attracted to each other, not in a sexual sense, attracted, yeah, yeah. But like attracted to each other life-wise that we mm-hmm. were able to be there together and work through the trauma of going to Catholic school and going through all this stuff together. Because, um, yeah, it, it's wild how, how you just find those people and finding those people, and that's something that... Later on in the podcast, when you ask me, what do I do? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that I've listened to before, yeah. <laughs> um, is is really about surrounding yourself with good people. Yeah. And that's something I'm so passionate about. Like, yeah. You don't have time for, mm-hmm. for bad people in your life. Yeah. Like I know for myself, you know, um, you know, all through high school, I was, uh, you know, I always describe myself as gay in every way but the bedroom Mm -hmm. and because being that person and being open to all kinds of things was kind of frowned upon you know when i was younger fit into the yeah what a man should be yeah so you know i couldn't i couldn't go into those areas that i was interested in so i had to limit myself and of course then i'm putting on this image of this you know tough guy football player you know, all mm-hmm. these things, mm-hmm. the leather jacket, the long oh, hair. I can, I can picture it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the beard in high yeah, school. I wish, I mean, I wish I could grow a beard. I still can't grow a beard. <laughs> Jealous. I'll have to show but you some pictures. It. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I can, I can see it. I can picture it. You know, you, yeah. you, and I know a lot of my LGBTQ friends, so I use my hands, though. I'm trying not to hit them. Yeah. Um, a lot of my friends in, in our community, it's, they had that phase where they went if you know, or I use religion as my scapegoat, they used hypermasculinity yes. as theirs. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, nobody's going to question you if you're the football guy or mm-hmm. you're, you wear this or you date a lot of girls, yeah. like a lot of girls, like those kind of people. Um, Because then nobody's going to ask, yeah. nobody's going to assume. Yeah. Whereas for me, it was just kind of always assumed. Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. Like, um, I don't know. Uh, there, have you heard of, uh, um, what was it? Alex Hernandez. What's his first name? I can't remember. He played for the New England Patriots. Okay. Yeah. And he was, um, uh, he played in the NFL, you know, mm-hmm. made all this money and everything. Uh, but then he got charged and went to prison for um, him and his buddy killing someone. Oh, yes, I have heard of this. And the story, they did a documentary on uh, uh, his, his life. And, of course, you know, he had uh, him and his best friend experimented that's mm-hmm. the terms they would use, you know, mm-hmm. but he was, he was gay. Yeah. But of course to hide, you know, he became this ultimate womanizer, mm-hmm. tough guy, gangster, you know, and he did some pretty horrendous things, but it was always, 
you know, kind of in the vein of I'm trying to portray this image of this. Because he's so so at war with himself yes, inside that he exactly. has to to fight on the outside. Yeah, and it's it's so sad. You yeah. see it all the time, and and I I see it less now, which is really cool, and especially you know with younger patients and people that you you just see them being themselves now, mm-hmm. and it's the norm to be queer. Yeah. That's just super cool. Yeah. Like, I I just cannot imagine, you know, and I I think a lot of our listeners, you know, try to put your head in this, in your mind, this, so that, Mm -hmm. you know, at a very young age, you know you're different. You know you feel differently and you have different desires, but society won't let you think about those things. Mm -hmm. And to fit in and to be loved and accepted, you have to put this mask on for decades Mm-hmm. To be this other person. It's exhausting. And, oh, it is that's exhausting. what I'm exhausting. Like, yeah, yeah. Tell and, me more. And yeah, it's just the the things that you say and do to really try to, and you're you're spending every day in fear. You are so scared that today's gonna be the day that somebody finds out who you really are. Wow. And that it no kid, no matter how old you should have to deal with that. And that's why I'm very much outspoken of who I am as a member of the community and the, the LGBT community as being a gay chiropractor is I want to be able to see that this is normal, mm-hmm. that being gay is normal. And there are people in your community that are somewhere on the spectrum of some sort of sexuality or gender or wherever you fit in. Um, but yeah, growing up it was, you're just in fear every day and you're so scared that your family's going to find out or somebody's going to find out you're in a slip. So you're, walking on eggshells constantly and um and you know i wasn't lucky enough to be one of those people that doesn't have you know classical gay mannerisms the way i spoke and the way i walked and moved was a little bit more feminine mm-hmm. um so for, i remember you know it was traumatizing from in elementary school my nickname was gay boy Ouch. right and kids yeah. would be like hey gay boy how's it going like that was the normal for them and you know you just laugh it off and you don't just no, 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 that's not true. Or like people, some, you know, some guy a year ahead of you will come up to you on the playground, like, "Hey, like, are you gay?" It's, it's totally cool if you are, but like, bro, are you gay? Um, and <laughs> you're, sh- I know you're allowed to swear on this podcast. You can swear. You're yeah. shitting your pants. Yeah. Right. Because then you have to like, no, 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 and then you like overcompensate, like, no, I'm totally not. I'm totally not. Right. Yeah. Um, and you're going through that every day. On the same time, like you're also going through things that normal kids go through. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you're having to. You're really having to mature so quickly. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes, what I was talking about earlier, how you often find that young queer kids hang out with the adults yeah. more than the kids because they haven't gone what you've gone through. These other kids are just, they're out having fun and playing. Yeah. Whereas you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about, are they going to find out that I'm gay? Are they going to kick me out of the house? Are they going to send me to conversion therapy? Are yeah. they going to X, Y, Z? So you're just... So scared about that, that if you can sit and have mature, so you're, you, sorry, it forces you to mature so much more quickly than, than the average kid that you don't get along with them. You, you feel like you fit in more with the adults, yeah. which is crazy. So it really robs you of a lot of your childhood mm-hmm. where you're forced to just have these complex thoughts and really self-actualize at such a young age where we don't expect or like all these other young kids to be able to make decisions on their own. That's why we have like... A lot of kids, for example, in the um, justice system, they're treated as 
kids compared to adults because they're not supposed to have the same understanding of the world. Yeah. So if we expect kids to not be able to do that in the justice system, then why do we expect kids who are growing up gay, like, you know what I mean, like to have yeah. that same, like they're forced to treat themselves like an adult and think like an adult when they're 12. Yeah. Um. So that's where a lot of the kind of trauma sets in, right? Yeah is dealing and, with that. And there's just so many stories within that. And a lot of them I really honestly can't remember. I have friends that will talk to me and be like, hey, remember that time I did this to you? I'm really sorry. And I'm like, honestly, I didn't remember. Like, yeah. I, I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating because you just yeah. block it all out. Yeah. I don't think straight people really understand <laughs> yeah, what that is like. And that's why for all the parents out there, like create a space for your kids where it's okay to talk. Mm-hmm. And and a space that they can feel themselves and expose them to to different people. Like, don't keep, like, I love Okotoks, and I'm so happy I grew up here because um, it's so safe. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, the school system's amazing. But what my dad always doesn't understand, and, and we have had amazing conversations, and now he does, is I didn't feel safe growing up here because there was no queer representation. Yeah. You know, I didn't see a pride parade. I didn't yeah. see a rainbow anywhere. I didn't yeah. see... There wasn't a single member of the public that was openly gay while I was growing up that I knew. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't a safe space. Um, so for all the parents out there to really think about, you know, for your child, expose them to the world. Expose them to different types of food mm-hmm. from all around the world. Yeah. Expose them to different types of cultures from all around the world. Expose them to different types of sexualities and genders and you know, take them to a drag show for God's sakes. Yeah. You no, know, we have amazing drag queens and we drag do. kings here in Calgary. <laughs> I saw here in Okotoks. In Okotoks, yeah. we have, you know, like Shane, Shane on you is mm-hmm. from Okotoks. And yeah. they, they, I believe at the library, they do readings, yeah. right? Drag yeah. queen, drag people, drag kings and queens reading stories to your kids. They're not scary people. Yeah. <laughs> They're amazing people. Um, so like exposing your pe- your children to stuff like that on the odd chance that they are queer it'll make the mean the world to them. Yeah. And then if they're not, it'll make them more tolerant and accepting individuals, exactly. which is even more important because we need that. Yeah. I've, um, you know, I took all my kids before any of them came out when they were still quite young, mm-hmm. took them all to the pride parade in That's Calgary. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I wanted them to see that, um, you know, this is something to be celebrated and supported rather than, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, you know, I took them to the pride parade every year you know, until, you know, um, a couple of years ago, yeah. you know, and that's just so cool. I do think that helped my two sons to be able to, to have those conversations because they felt, it. Hey, you know, I, this is something that is normalized to them yeah. so they can actually talk about it. Whereas for me, you know, I'm in religion class in school. I remember like, this is a distinct memory and I don't have a lot of memories throughout high school, but it's the, my religion teacher literally sitting down with me and or sitting down with the class and talking about being gay and how, you know, if you're gay and you act on it, you're going to hell. Yeah. And, you know, and this is the same rhetoric that had been discussed since I was young in religion class. And I don't know if that's part of the curriculum or what, because I talked to them. I talked to my mom who works at the school and they've checked in and they're like, no, no, we don't teach that. And I'm like, well, then why are we hearing that as kids? Yeah. You know, that yeah. If, if you're, if you're gay, you're going to hell. And then we also were taught that if you wear condoms, you're going to hell because <laughs> that's against God. So no wonder all these poor young girls are 
you know, having to make these really hard decisions because they're getting pregnant at 14. Yeah. Because they're taught not to use a condom. Mm-hmm. Like that's an issue in our yeah. school system. And we, yeah. that's like, that just boggles my head. No. Like we need, like, ugh. It drives me fucking nuts. <laughs> it I'm drives sorry. me fucking nuts too. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Like it, it just, we need to educate our people and we can't use religion as an excuse to not educate our people about the world around them because people yeah. are still going to, people are sexual beings. They're yeah. going to explore themselves and explore other people. And you can't stop that. Yeah. Some people will choose not to because religion, and that's beautiful, and they can do that, and I totally support that. But for the people that aren't, for the majority, the massive majority that aren't going to save themselves till marriage, to wait to have kids, and yeah. wait to have sex, to not teach that is crazy. Anyways, segue, yeah. but mind yeah. blowing that that you know, happened. I and think like, that's a whole other <laughs> a whole other discussion, right? Right, like, and <laughs> and just going back to like the religion side of it with being gay and and just hearing that as a kid, you know, that is traumatizing hearing growing up from your teachers who you respect and love like yeah you can't be this yeah like this is not good it's just wild (laughs) you know the the common story i hear from a lot of uh you know uh, my gay friends when they're younger is this um they felt they had to be perfect Mm -hmm. because you know like i have to have the best grades i have to do everything mom and dad want i just because if they ever find out i have to have so much in the emotional bank account with my parents and with everyone. Oh, that's an interesting way of thinking of that it. That if I do, if they do find out, mm-hmm. hopefully they'll still love me because I did everything right. That is so or, interesting. Or God, even the same yeah, way, right? That I did everything else right. And I know a lot of people, um, if you think about it, there's a lot of successful gay people mm-hmm. or queer people in general. I find, and the reason that I thought of it was separate from that was society tells you every day that you're wrong growing up. So you feel like you need to prove something. Yeah. So you do the best in class. You work your ass off in school. You get some high-level job somewhere. You're a doctor of something or you're a PhD in this or you're the CEO of this um, because you have to prove to the world that you are worthy because mm-hmm. the world has been telling you that you're not since you were young. And, yeah. and going in with your, your side of things too, like you, you know, maybe if you do enough, then when they find out, yeah. they'll still love you because you've done other good things. And that's just, nobody <laughs> what should a terrible place to be yeah, in. Nobody in should your have to mind. think that way. Um, yeah. But I mean, it has, a, this conversation has been a little bit doom and gloom, but like, that's how I grew up. But yeah. that's not how things are right now. Yes. For yeah. most people, mm-hmm. you know, you hear a lot of s- stories and they're awful um, of kids still, you know, they ask if they can go by a different name because they identify as a different gender or, yeah. And their parents refuse and they tell their school that they're not allowed to, to use that name. Like, and it, it's, so that does still happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, people are so much more accepting and open and they're having conversations now about it with their kids. And, and their queer people are visible. Um, we're not invisible anymore. Yeah. Which is yeah. fantastic to see. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the real struggle right now is for, you know, all the transgendered kids mm-hmm. because now you know, society has been able to shift enough that we're more accepting, not mm-hmm. totally accepting. More accepting of you know, gay people. Yeah, they're moving there. And then now there's this whole other thing that they just do not understand. Oh, yeah. Gender to to people, not in the millennial or Gen X or, or what's Gen Z, yeah. the young ones. Um, in that generation, the idea of gender to them is so foreign. Mm-hmm. It's alien because... And it's super simple. So for anybody out there, the yeah. way gender works is that gender and sex are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So your sex is what you're born with. Penis or vagina, male, female. 
Your gender is how you fit into the world that society has built. Our society has built this construct of two genders, man and woman. And man is masculine, woman is feminine. Mm -hmm. Um, So for, and I mean, I'm not a spokesperson for the transgender community, so I may say things wrong here, but the way I, I understand gender is it's how you fit into that spectrum, mm-hmm. not the binary. It's no yeah. longer the binary of man and woman. Yeah. There's a spectrum of man to woman. And a lot of it is the spectrum of masculinity to femininity and where you fit along that and how you identify. So um, your gender is not your sex. Yeah, Men can have vaginas. Men can have penises. Women can have vaginas. Women can have penises. That is a concept that's really foreign yeah. to older generations uh, and young kids get that what genitals you have does not make what gender you are. Yeah. Um, and some people do have gender reassignment surgery and that's beautiful and that's part of their transition. But transition for other people just means their name's different and that they wear different clothes. Yeah. Transition for other people might mean they took hormone therapy and they've had one surgery or two or whatever. But yeah. that the idea of gender is just fascinating and beautiful and it's something to be celebrated that we're breaking down this binary of male and female and that we're allowing expression on either side or in between. Um, and just allowing that to be normalized is fantastic. And it definitely is, like you said, the the next frontier of our fight as the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. We fought for gay rights. We That started at Stonewall by transgender women of color. I will remind (laughs) everybody out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had pride ever since. But for some reason along the way, transgender people were forgotten and it was just focused on gay people. In media especially, it became like, you know, every show had the quintessential lesbian, super flamboyant gay, um, which is beautiful. But I mean, there should be more representation than just one specific version of someone. but and then lesbians were not as much portrayed in in society but more in people's fantasy was normalized yeah. mm-hmm. which is a whole nother topic yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that all works um <laughs> that we don't need to get into but the kind of fetishization of that um and the normalization of that but then we forgot about trans rights and people just became so focused on gay people, lesbians, and normalizing that, but not talking about the rest of the queer community. Yeah, I think, you know, you know, back in the, you know, 80s, 90s, when things were mm-hmm. shifting, I think a lot of people in the gay community are like, okay, things are shifting. We don't want to be associated with that right now mm-hmm. because we got to focus on this being accepted. That's a little too much. We're not ready for that. No one's mm-hmm. ready for that. So they kind of threw yeah. them under the bus a little. Yeah. But, now, but now we're ready. <laughs> yeah, now, now we're, ready. we're ready. So it's, yeah. it's, it's totally fine. You know, I, I would expand on that, you know, what you said too, where, you know, there's, um, there's your biological sex, which are your chromosomes, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's your gender, which is how you choose to express yourself, to you know, to the world. You. And then yeah. there's your sexual uh, orientation. Which is completely separate. Which is completely separate yeah. from those two things. Se- your, yeah, sex is what you're born as, as male or female, mm-hmm. what parts you have. Um, gendered, like you said, is how you fit into society, where you are on that beautiful spectrum of masculinity to femininity, man to woman. 
And then sexuality is completely different. Yeah. Sexuality is your preference for who you want to be with, yeah. who you love, who you want to go home to. That is sexuality. Yeah. Nothing to do with gender. Yeah. Um, and I think that's hard for some people to understand because yeah. they're like, well, how can a transgendered woman be in a relationship with a woman? Yeah. Didn't she become a woman so she could be with men? Yeah, because there's nothing to do with that. There's the binary of, yeah. of straight yeah. versus um, like being straight and cisgendered. And cisgendered means you identify with the same parts that you were born with. Yeah. Um, so like cis, I would identify as a cisgendered male. Um, so that, so for anybody that doesn't know what that means, so that's the opposite of trans, cis. Trans. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just wild that we've had to explain these things in such a way, but it's beautiful in the same sense that people are now having these conversations and and kids, oh, I just love young kids that are able to have conversations about gender and 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 identity with older people and explain them in such beautiful ways. Like you just hear some things, yeah. and it's just awesome. Yeah, it's just awesome. I heard a really interesting explanation of how to help people um, better express people's gender, mm. and it's like you know you're at the dog park mm-hmm. and you see a dog and you're like. Oh, your dog's so pretty. What's her name? And they'll be like, "It's it's uh, you Bruce. know Bruce, Bruce, whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a Bruce. It's he's a boy. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Every, hey, single, Bruce. every single time you talk to a dog, you and have then, that conversation. Yeah. yeah. And then immediately, people had no problem switching genders mm-hmm. on that dog. Mm-hmm. You know, they they we make guesses and we're wrong, and yeah. you know, it's no big deal. So we we fix it. We need to be able to think that same way. Oh, absolutely. With, with, with people's gender, and that's why if you look at my Instagram, the and a lot of people's Instagram, my pronouns are on my Instagram. So mm. it says, uh, "Daxon Jones, he him." Yeah. Um, and the reason I do that, and the reason you'll see a lot of people starting to do that these days, is to normalize gender pronouns and to yeah. asking what pronouns are, so that way not only so for transgender people putting their pronouns on their Instagram or or wherever they are to they're being targeted as, Oh, they must be transgender because their pronouns are on there. Yeah. Whereas it, we're just normalizing that everybody has pronouns. And if you introduce yourself with your pronouns, it, you are taking away that conversation. So people aren't having to assume anything. What was so cool about this last pride was there was a, a live stream on Twitch, um, a live stream of, Calgary Pride, and they had performers throughout the entire day. They had musicians. They had guest speakers the entire weekend, which was just fantastic that they've adapted through COVID times. Mm-hmm. The CEO of ATB Financial came on, and he said, "Hi, my name is blah 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 blah. My pronouns are he him." And then he started talking. Yeah, and I was just like, "How cool is that?" That people, and then then every single person that came on after that said, "This is my name. These are my pronouns," and that way. There, we're normalizing that asking what your pronouns are is a, a thing that yeah. you can have pronouns that are different from how you present yourself or that it kind of takes away the guessing game and just normalizing that people don't have to fit into that, what you assume of them. And, you know, my best friend, Max, is a transgender woman and she is just like a huge inspiration to me. Um, but talking to her about pronouns has been fascinating and it's taught me so much 
and realizing that it's okay to ask. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what are your pronouns? Or like, hey, like, or like use non-gender specific terms yeah. and tell you no. Tell they either tell you or tell you ask. Yeah. It's normal to ask. And I think a lot of people in older generations might think that, you know, because like, that's such a foreign concept to them that wouldn't ask that. But like, like, hey, oh, by the way, um, you know, what are your pronouns? Like, oh, he, him, sweet. Yeah. Or they, them. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So like, you, you can, it's a normal conversation to ask. And that would mean so much to a trans person or a non-binary person to, to ask them. Mm-hmm that yeah. which means that you care and that you yeah. want to correctly identify them as yeah. an individual because and i explained this to family before when it comes to pronouns i know I've, we've been talking about it for a little while here but because it's, it's so important to a lot of a lot of you know, cisgendered straight people they might go like what's the big deal it's just a word who cares and for you it doesn't mm-hmm because you have no emotional attachment to that. But for that, you know, 14-year-old kid or 18-year-old kid who has been traumatized and tormented their entire life and how those two words yeah. mean everything yeah. to them. It means I accept you. I'm an ally. Yes. I understand you. Yeah. So th- those words, their pronouns, has been something that they have struggled with and that they have had to overcome and come to terms with and have the audacity to come out and ask you to use those. Mm-hmm. If they've done that, you have no idea how much emotional torment they went through to do that. Yeah. So give them the respect by mm-hmm. trying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And not going, Oh, it's, what's, it's just a couple words, Yeah. but it's not. And, and to that person, for you, it's a few words to that person. It's who they are. Um, and they've had to work through a lot of stuff to get to that point. So just like you said, to say those words to them, they feel safe. Yeah. And you have no idea how powerful that is, yeah. which is just amazing. Yeah. It's and, absolutely amazing. And, and I don't think, you know, our community understands enough how painful it is, mm-hmm. you know, for people in the closet or, you know, transgender kids. You know, all, all we have to do is look at the suicide rates oh, yeah. and how much greater a risk you know, LGBTQ people are, it's, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, um, dying of suicide because when you don't feel accepted, mm-hmm. when you don't feel love, when you don't feel you fit in, you know, uh, and you get in a really dark place in your mind, you're like the only relief is out, is out of this world. Yeah. And which is scary. It's so scary. The one in three transgender people been homeless in their life or will be homeless yeah because parents will just kick them out because they don't know what to do jobs won't hire them jobs will fire them yeah um one in three and this is canada um i think the stat is i think it's 50 percent of transgender children youth will or maybe it's higher than that it might be 60 percent i there is a beautiful statistic i'm sorry if i get it wrong um not beautiful, horrifying. Sixty um, percent trans people have attempted suicide. Yeah, that's by, not, con- and they probably like majority of them have considered it or considered. And, yeah, and <laughs> but that's a lot to attempt. And I think yeah. the stat is around thirty percent are successful. Wow, one third of trans kids. Yeah, we've lost already. We've lost, yeah. and that's, I mean, hopefully changing, and hopefully that statistic goes down. But 
I mean, I heard that statistic last year when I was at a drag show and there was this incredible drag performer that came up and they did this number to the song by Rabel um, and it was just mind-blowing. It's called The Village and I would recommend you all to listen to it just to get, get into the mindset of what it's like to be othered or on the outside. Um, and they were performing this number and then on the screen behind them, all these statistics start to come up. Um, and they kind of preambled this with before they talked. And I was already crying when this started because um, it was <laughs> these, they talked about these statistics. And and then this drag performer had um, recently had top surgery, which for those who don't know, that means that they had had their breasts removed. Um, so they took off their shirt. To show the scars. To show the scars. And they were fresh, yeah. fresh scars. And so... There's the song that's super emotional. They just talked about the statistics around suicide and, and homelessness and all of that. And then this performer comes up and does this song and takes their shirt off and says, this is me. This is who I am. And I made it. I made it out. That just like threw me. Yeah. I was just sobbing. Um, but it's so powerful. And we don't realize that like those statistics are crazy, crazy mm -hmm. high. Uh, and it's just upsetting but there are things that we can do yeah. like talk about it mm -hmm. and go to pride ask questions it's yeah. just ask people yeah there's an organization here uh, in calgary and foothills i'm trying to remember right now i don't know if it's uh, uh i'll put i'll put a link in the description for the mm -hmm. podcast everyone but it is um like i was on a uh uh a zoom meeting recently with parents in the foothills community oh, yeah. uh, for yes. kids that are um, uh, in the LGBTQ uh, group. And yeah, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, in, in the meeting with several parents who's, and I was the only one of the gay kid, all the rest in there were parents with kids who were transgendered mm -hmm. and it's, you know, terrifying the stuff they're going through. And like, you know, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but I just want to share this story so people get some perspective. Cool. You know, there's one family, uh, the father's from, you know, West Africa and the mom's here from Canada, mm -hmm. very religious, you know, in that country, it uh, is illegal to be gay yeah. or transgendered. You can be killed, you know, and so during COVID, um, things already got quite heated at home. And so she had to leave the house yeah. from abuse. And uh, so they're, you know, out of that, but now she's trying to work things out because her transgender daughter wants to change her name, start of the school year here and, you know, wants all that support, but they're begging the school not to share any of this information with the father, because if he finds out he will beat this child to death. And that, oh, and, and you know, like, this is happening that, in happening our community. Here. This is here, this right? Is in and our community. And, and that's one story that is somebody who's spoken out and yeah. there will be more than one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, we need to talk about it and we need to, as people who understand this, if you see a kid going through this, like that's why using their pronouns, if they've said that they want to use these pronouns, like God, you know, they're going through that torment at home. Yeah. use the pronouns or use the name that they ask you to use and and 
protect that kid. Like, yeah. that's just, you, 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 like, for me, coming out as gay was hard enough. I can't imagine going through what that child is going through. Yeah. Like, I have enough trauma built up from what I went through, but, <laughs> like, like, you, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, me thinking about that, those parents, I'm like, what are you, like, or that, the dad, you know, like, you have a choice here. You can either cause unreparable damage in your relationship to your child and your child's mental health yeah. and their future. Or you can, instead of being selfish, yeah. take time, think about your, think about why do I feel this way? Maybe I need to educate myself. Maybe I need to talk to someone. Yeah. And that would change your perspective completely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it's, it's <laughs> it just makes me so sad. Yeah. It makes me so sad. And there's just, that's why when people say like, why do you guys still have pride? You know, we accept you. And it's like, well, are you hearing these stories? Yeah. Like, why do you still have the stampede? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. You're straight. You yeah. like horses, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but it's, it's wild. It's yeah. wild. And we, we have so much work to do on just creating and spreading love yeah. in our community and creating making, you know, at Thrive where I work, our mission is to make the Oktoks and surrounding area, the Foothills area, the happiest and healthiest place to live in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not going to achieve that if kids are being tormented or being abused at home. And, you know, that's why it's important for me to talk about these things and to, to be a out person in our community and say like, Hey, if you need to talk to someone, please like talk to me, like, yeah. talk, like reach out. Like we, we need to, support each other through this and really help each other heal. Yeah. You know, I really think we can all learn something from people in the LGBT community that have come out because, you know, of all my uh, gay friends, one thing that is common in them all mm -hmm. is there's this just zest for life and this just confidence and peace in them because they've gone through so much already and just accepting who they are and embracing oh, and just yeah. al allowing themselves to be themselves mm -hmm. is so infectious and powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us straight people <laughs> are still hiding from who we are Oh, because we're still yeah. trying to no, fit into this image of what we're supposed to be. You see it every day, right? You see the guys who, you know, they all feel like they have to dress in these long shorts and t-shirts and a like skater hat and yeah. they can't express themselves further because they'll be made fun of from their straight friends. They can't like shoes. They can't like fashion. They can't like pop music. They can't, they have to drink beer because mm -hmm. I, I hate beer too. They can't drink any of those fruity drinks, right? Because yeah. of the fruity drinks. Yeah. You're right. And so there's this, this image of toxic masculinity, which is very alive in Okotoks. Yeah. Very, very alive in this community and in the surrounding communities. Um, and we need to remind ourselves that you, and remind people and have conversations with these men that, you know, you can mm -hmm. be yourself and that's yeah. people. And that's why you're saying like all your queer friends, um, they're infectious because they, they know who they are because yeah. they've had to go through so much to finally accept themselves and to, to have the bravery for, to go into society like that every day. Um, so to have these conversations with the straight people who are not being themselves because they're feeling like they're having to sit into, into a box and, I kind of joke with my friends all the time about like, I am so glad. I'm so glad I'm gay. Yeah. Because I can't imagine having to do that every day. They're go <laughs> straight adults are are going through what gay kids had to go through. At least yeah. they're adults now. But mm -hmm. like they 
have to fit into this box where, you know, we have to watch football on Sundays and which if you love doing that, please do that. Like, yeah. But you don't have to, you know, only play golf and like football and drink beer and yeah. Well, and they're right, still you know, trying to be accepted. Yeah, because they're trying to fit they're into still that trying to, to fit be accepted in, rather like, than just doing what they love. And, and the being people who they that are. people, the people in our community that people are attracted to the most are the people who are authentically yes. themselves. Yeah, and that's authentic. You know, breeds confidence. Yeah, that that just that energy of peace that just you know, yeah, just comes off of them, and you're just like, wow, I like being around this person. Yeah, there's something so sexy yeah. about confidence, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you want to be around those kind of people. Um, and it's just, it's so important. And yeah. I just hope that we can continue to not only grow acceptance and tolerance and love for the queer community, the LGBTQ community, but also for people that don't fit into the binary of masculinity as well, yeah. that they have to be this macho man. Because um, it's it must be exhausting all day for them <laughs> to do that too. Like I can imagine, like I've been through that um, on the other side. So you know, like, it's okay just to be yourself and like things that are different from other people. Yeah. I mean, I think you're a beautiful example of that. Who You're authentically who you are as a straight dad. And I think that's just fantastic. You would just exude <laughs> this confidence of who you are and you don't apologize for that. And people want to be around you because of it. And I think that's admirable and it's we need more of that in our community. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I remember uh, when I was a missionary... <laughs> so here back, I'm back in the day, back in the day when I was Loved a missionary that. for the Mormon church, mm-hmm. um, I was out working with one missionary, uh, my companion at the time, and we're walking down the street and I see this little raised, um, Toyota truck or whatever. Right. And the way it was done up and I'm like, and the guy I'm with is like ultimate toxic masculinity yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. right? Football player you know, fixed his own trucks and restored them, all this, you know, all that stuff. Which, by the way, is amazing if that's what you like doing, yeah, what yeah. you want to do, but not yeah. because you feel like you have to. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Just, <laughs> it's just who he was, right? Yeah, no you know, the the country boy and yeah, yeah. I'm I walking know, along I and, and I see it and I'm like, oh, that's a cute truck. Oh, I love that. And he, he that. just lost it. And he's like, that's not cute. You can't call a <laughs> truck cute. <laughs> Uh, what are you doing? And he just like uh, went off. No. Like he would not let me forget that. And he would tease and harass me about that for like ever. And then he used the word cute. Why can't a straight man use the word yes. cute? Like what and, is going on here? <laughs> but what's crazy is then, you know, so I dealt with that and dealing with that guy for, <laughs> and we were still good friends, mm-hmm. but I just had to understand that that's who he was. Right. Yeah. And you, then you have to make the compensation yeah. and you have to say, like, I, yeah, yeah. He I didn't mean. fully accept me, but I, that's, that's totally yeah. fine. I, I was totally fine with that. But then my next companion was my best friend mm. who hadn't come yeah. out of the closet yet. And just being able to say and be and whatever around yeah. him all the time, he because that truck was he was too. that yeah. same guy, yeah. um, you know, and you know, that's why we just became the best of friends mm. because you know, still to this day, we you, accept each other no matter what. Exactly. And you didn't we can feel be like whatever. you had to be this image of a man around yeah. him. You could be just whoever you are. Yeah. And that's just And that, there, there's something about that. And that's, again, that's what makes real friendship is yeah. when you can really connect and accept someone no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, and same as parents. Like, that's what and makes an awesome parent is when you just, you know, you create that space for your child to communicate with you mm-hmm. and express their concerns and accept them no matter yeah. what. And this is a PSA for all people out there wanting to have a kid. Yeah. 
if you, <laughs> I'm gonna get hate mail. If gender you, reveal? Are you gonna get? <laughs> oh, oh, we're gonna get that, into the gender. We're that gonna drives talk about me that. nuts. <laughs> oh yeah. If you are not going to accept your kid, no matter who they are, if you are already pre-planning that your kid has to be man or woman, like trucks or like dresses, and fit yeah. into this, you're pre-planning their entire existence. Don't have kids. Please mm-hmm. don't. Um, we don't need any more of that. Yeah. We like. And your child doesn't deserve your that. Your child doesn't deserve that. Your child deserves to grow up in a family that they feel like they can be whoever they want to be and that you they can play with trucks and wear a dress or they can do whatever yeah. they want to do. And and th- if they fit into the normal binary of things, then perfect. Majority probably will. But if they don't, then they know that that's okay. Yeah. Um, if you're not going to accept your kid no matter what, don't have kids. It's the moral yeah. story. Yeah. Right. It's, Think yeah. about that before you, you start yeah. trying, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and please, for... God's sake, don't have a gender reveal. <laughs> oh, I just, uh, they're, they're the worst. You know, half of those fires in California oh. right now were started by a gender reveal party oh, that yeah. used pyrotechnics. Oh, yeah. I know. It's, <laughs> God said, enough of this. <laughs> um, I hate gender reveal parties. <laughs> I hate that. Here's the thing. Like, you're not having a gender reveal party. You're having a penis or vagina reveal party. Yeah. is what you're having. and yeah. But you're pre-assigning their entire identity with that. Yeah. So if you're going to have a reveal party, have a sex reveal party where you yeah. like dress everything up with penises or make everything have a <laughs> vagina cake. You know what I mean? <laughs> have a, this is their, like, which sounds kind of weird, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, we're having a penis party or yeah. we're having a vagina party. Yeah. Um, and those sorry, dads I, that get all yeah. upset when it's pink and the, oh, they don't have a penis. God, now, like, <laughs> I, I was talking to my son about this the other day, mm-hmm. and I think the reasoning is is people are just looking for a reason to celebrate that they're yes, pregnant. Yes, 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 exactly. So Which there's nothing wrong with this. Yeah, to have a little party and all that. I do think, again, you know, uh, you're, you're saving this memory and you're planning on showing it to your kid later. You know, what happens when that kid is struck, mm-hmm. you know, a transgender kid or struggling with that, you know, that, you know, you know, gender we, reveal, we that, the, that should be like, you should have that, that should be the new bar mitzvah. I was talking to a friend about yeah. this the other day. That should be like the new, the new thing that you have when you, when you decide as a, as a, a you know, as a teen or an adult, you know, this is how I identify, yeah. you know, um, my friend Max, we were joking, like, you know, we had a, a little, like the three of us had a little get together the other day with like, with our pride thing that I was telling you about. And we had a little party, just the three of us. And it was amazing. And afterwards like is that my gender reveal party i was just gonna say max needs to have a gender reveal right, party because that was taken away from them like they, yeah. they don't get to actually reveal who they are as an individual yeah um so pre-assigning that as an as a child before they're even born yet like they're yeah. not even able yeah. to do anything and you're already pre-telling <laughs> them that you know blue is what you're gonna wear yeah and you're gonna play with trucks yeah. and you're gonna do xyz or if you're a girl then Oh, better keep all the boys away, which, oh my God, that's a whole nother topic around pre-sexualization of children, yes. of making it okay that men are going to chase after them and are going to harass them, yeah. and that women have to be okay with that. That's a whole yeah. other thing that I'm not okay with. So please don't tell young girls, wow, you're going to have to get a dad a baseball bat. Please stop doing that. Yeah. It's really not healthy. I, I saw this great cartoon the other day and it yeah. was this, uh, you know, it's this boy, he's showing up for to mm. pick up this dad's daughter first day on a date. Yeah. And he like tells the boy, I just want you to know that if you do anything to hurt her, anything to, you know, mm-hmm. um, do anything inappropriate or anything like that, I want you to know that she is going to kick your ass. I love that. <laughs> so my, it's not the dad. Yeah. It's, I, I trust my daughter and she's yeah. going to take care of exactly. herself. And, but why don't we say that for young 
boys, right? When yeah. girls are taking them out on a date, you don't say, listen here, lady, like, if you treat my son wrong, blah, blah, blah. Why is it that we only do that for men? That women are this fragile thing that need to be protected mm-hmm. and men have to be this. Yeah. Like, yeah. So just getting away from that, like, we don't need that. You can ha- celebrate your baby. Celebrate your, that you're having a baby. Have a party. Don't light forests on fire um, and cause <laughs> millions and millions of dollars worth of damage. But, like, just have a party, but don't pre-assign what your child's going to be. Mm-hmm. Let them just, you know, surround them with with things that they can yeah. explore and experiment. Let them play and let yeah. them build. Let them be children. Yeah. Baby shower's yeah. enough. Yeah, baby showers are fun. You know, That's have neutral. A, have a baby shower and, and just, yeah, it's, or even better, yeah, just wait until they're born. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You don't even have to have a gender reveal. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a whole so, other side of this. I know. It's, it's and, fun. And it's again, fun you know, about. if you've had a gender reveal party or oh, have one yeah, planned, we're, not saying, we're like, not saying you're a terrible person, but just, you know, think of the alternatives. Think of, and, yeah, think of what that's portraying or yeah, what, what, it's, yeah. what it's pre-assigning to you. And, and again, you yeah. know, when, when we're saying all these things, it's, or if, you know, if a parent is listening and like, oh shit, I didn't really support my kid. I didn't really oh, do so the right thing. We're things. not here to, we're, we're not, not judging you as a parent. You know, we're trying to just lay out you know, an alternate path for those that have that chance now yeah, to make those exactly. choices. We're just talking about, you know, this is our perception. This is my, yes. specifically my perception on yeah. things and how I see the world and how maybe you can learn something from my perception, just like yeah. I can learn something from everybody else's. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe I can, like, there's things that I can do better and ways that I can communicate with people better and have more tolerance for other people. Yeah. And I want to learn those things. I want people to tell me those things. So I think yeah. that's why I, I'm not here to shame anybody. Yeah. And, I'm super sorry if anybody <laughs> feels that way. Um, I'm just very unapologetic, I think, yeah. about my my passions and my views, especially when it comes to my community. Yeah. Um, so when you were younger, even today, you mm-hmm. know, what kind of tools and things have you used in the past and currently use to help you with your mental health? Mm-hmm. That is a great question. Another one that I knew you were going to ask. Another yes. one that my brain wanted to prep for <laughs> and that I couldn't. Um, you, just, you, can't just, you just can't do it. So... The thing that I think is the most important um, is good people. Mm-hmm. Surrounding yourself with good people. And that's hard. And that's something that I realized this year is good people and having good relationships takes work. Mm-hmm. And you also don't need to have people in your life that don't build you up. So you need to surround yourself with people that are driven, people that are passionate, people that are accepting of who you are no matter what so that you can be lifted up by the people you're around if you're hanging out with people and you're feeling exhausted afterwards or you're like oh can't believe they said that you know you know you don't need those people you have the this is your life and you get to surround yourself with the people that really are beautiful so that's something that i focus a lot on is having good people in my life yeah and Having people that I can actually talk to this kind of talk about this kind of thing with, talk about mental health, check in with people, people that check in on you, um, and building that community. And it takes work and it takes time. It's not like all of a sudden you have like this group of like ten friends who like are just these amazing, amazing like emotionally intelligent human beings that can have all these great conversations. But you know, it takes time. But um, there's this step one to get to that. I think that I found out was this beautiful thing called the mute button or the unfollow button. Um, (laughs) if people are posting things, especially right now that just get your blood boiling, Mm -hmm. just mute them. You don't need to listen to that right now. You don't need to bring any more negativity into your life. That's going to affect your mental state. Yeah. Um, 
and surround yourself with positive things. Like don't read the news all day, every day. You're going to yeah. go crazy. Don't yeah. just scroll through Facebook aimlessly and reading everybody's crazy posts about their views on X, Y, Z. Um, Cause you're going to go crazy. So limiting your exposure to those negative stressors by either cho- muting them um, when it comes to social medias and, and online stuff. And as well, just spending your time with people who are positive and, yeah. and lift you up. So that's kind of step one for me is like mm-hmm. having a core of good people. Yeah. Um, and I'm very lucky that I've, I've cultivated that and created that within my community. You know, on that, just to interrupt, um, one thing I'll say about that too, is I find, you know, I have a few friends that I love in person, but I don't like who they are online. So uh, I just don't follow them. You know, I I turn that off Mm -hmm. so I don't see their posts. Um, and I, when we're in public, you know, I'm wondering around them. I, I enjoy these people mm-hmm. because they would never say those things in public oh, keyboard warriors yeah. and, and, and they never, uh, bring it up, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, I, I don't think, you know, people's online persona are really a representation of who they are. It's, not. it's just, it's just a, a small part of them that is still trying to learn and, you know, open up and, 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 and change. And so I, I still accept that, mm-hmm. that that's just where they are right now with that. Yep. And, um, but the, you know, outside of that, they're still a really fun person. They're pretty cool. Exactly. I, I just, you know, we just don't talk about those things. Yeah. And it's about compartmentalizing how much emotional headspace you're going to give that individual because mm-hmm. you have a certain amount of, I like to call it like emotional real estate. You have a certain amount of real estate yeah. in, in your head and how much you can give. Um, and, if somebody is, you know, taking a lot of your real estate up and taking a lot of your emotional time and it's not being constructive to you, like you don't need that. So like you're doing when you're with them, they're building you up. It's good emotional yeah. time and it's worth that for you. But they're who they are online. They're online crazy version of themselves. <laughs> you don't need that. So yeah. making learning about and like checking in with yourself and actually thinking, okay, what are the things about them? X, Y, Z. Perfect. Okay. This this part makes me happy. This part doesn't. I'm going to take, take away that part. Yeah. You have, you know, you're in charge of your own life. Yeah. I think that's amazing. So doing that is just super valuable and learning yeah. to surround yourself with good people. Yeah. What was your step two? Step two. Um, so step one, brain. Good brain. people. Good people. Step two is, I would say, having some sort of routine around mm-hmm. mental health. And this comes down to that understanding of this is not something you either have or don't, like we talked about at the beginning. It is something that you work on um, consistently, and it's like a good relationship. You can't just have a relationship and, like, you know, we're married now. I'm just not going to put any effort in. Mm -hmm. You you have to put in effort. So your emotional state and your mental health is exactly the same way. Um, So having a good routine. So I know people have been on here and have talked about, you know, like journaling or or X, Y, Z for them, which is just fantastic. Um, And for me, what I've realized about myself is I don't have any specific, like, actually, no, that's kind of a lie. So gratitude journaling is something I do do. Um, I, at the end of the day, whether it's in my head, I prefer to write it down. Um, This is something we talk to our patients a lot about as well, is writing three things down that you're grateful for every single day before bed. Getting yourself in that positive mindset of, you know, what good was in my day and having gratitude for it. It could be something that was possibly, like we talked about, a negative thing that happened, but I can have gratitude for the negative thing and say, okay, this taught me this. Yeah. 
so I can move forward and learn more. Like I realized that there, I was uneducated about this and now I learned more from it, X, Y, Z. So a gratitude journal, three things are grateful for in the day. I do that at the end of the day. Um, and I do that on my phone or just in my head before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Really just gets you in a positive mindset. Helps you sleep too. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, managing my stress is something that I think is really important. Um, and my emotional well-being around that, my mental state, is constantly checking in. I feel like a lot of us don't take enough time to check in with ourselves and say, you know, how am I doing? Yeah. You know, like, what's up, Dax? How you doing, buddy? Like, yeah. feeling okay today? Like, what's going on in your head? And sitting in silence for a few minutes and actually talking to yourself in your head. And, mm-hmm. like, you don't actually have to have that conversation, but but really just saying, okay, where am I at? You know, I'm the kind of person that feels absolutely drained after certain social situations. You know, when, when you're surrounded by people or a family event, sometimes I just need to, like, leave the room, disappear yeah. for a few <laughs> minutes just to, like, because it's overwhelming sometimes yeah. to me. Um, and, but I understand, like, what makes, I really, I need social interaction. I'm a very social person, mm-hmm. but I know that I have, where your limits are. Where my limits are. And then the equal amount of time that I'm really social, I also need alone time and downtime yeah. to connect. So checking with yourself and saying, like, hey, how am I doing? And Do I need some me time? Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to read something? Do I need to listen to a podcast? Um, X, Y, Z. So checking with yourself, I think, is really important and, and saying, how am I doing? And then if there are things that aren't great, then, okay, solution-oriented thinking. Yeah. What can I do? What are some action steps I can make in my day tomorrow to correct how I'm feeling today? Yeah. Um, and things that I do to correct that are podcasting. I'm a huge podcast listener. I listen to many, many um, a day <laughs> <laughs> or a week, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just finding things that you enjoy that really just like get you out of that space. Like I'm a huge astrophysics nerd. So I listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast, yeah. um, Star Talk. Listen to that every week. I listen to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey all about biohacking, optimizing your function as a human being, which is fantastic. Um, I'm a bit of a, like a lot of people know this about me, I actually, I don't, I'm not a gamer, I don't actually play really many games, but I have a weird thing that I really like watching, um, mm. like competitive esports. So instead oh, okay. of watching football or hockey or soccer, mm-hmm. I watch a bunch of nerds sit around and play video games. It's But fantastic. a lot of people <laughs> like that now. Like yeah, my no, kids fantastic. love watching people play games. Yeah, so I watch competitive yeah esports as well yeah. and that's a way that i can just like disconnect and think yeah. strategy and think kind mm-hmm. of like that um music i know you've had a lot of musicians on here um music is something that is just fantastic and i'm so grateful like i was we were talking about this just before that i've i've joined the the foothills philharmonic orchestra it's, it's a string orchestra right now because mm-hmm. obviously no wind instruments allowed yeah. um but it's fantastic i've been wanting to get back into playing music again so i play string bass in that and it, it's just a weekly thing where it's this routine that it's like you know a wellness routine that mm-hmm. I get to sit and I yeah. get to focus on music. Mm-hmm. And there's something so special about music. How, from a neuroscience perspective, you are taking auditory stimulus. You're listening to rhythm as well as pitch, mm-hmm. and then you're taking that in, and you are also reading. So taking in um, yeah. visual stimulation. Yeah, both sides of the brain at once. And it's a new language. So yeah. you're reading another language, which is a super stimulating to the brain. So you're taking in all that. And then you're building that in your brain and immediately moving that into a motor function where you're actually engaging certain muscles to create music. And then as you're creating that music, you're also listening to your tune, your timing, your yeah. and how you're fitting into that big picture. So 
I hundred percent recommend for kids out there, like play music. Yeah. It is so amazing for your brain and what it does to stimulate it and, and allow you to really have a complex task that you're doing, which will bring down that anxiety. Like you've talked about with if your adrenaline is high, like your that your patient that has that skipping rope, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to those other episodes, you know, yeah. she needs that skipping rope to burn that adrenaline. Um, yeah. And, you know, music can be kind of like that. You're so hyper-focused that you're just giving everything into that. Um, yeah. And it's, it's fantastic. So mm, it's keep so playing cool. music. And for kids that want to quit, you know, parents making me play piano, it's so worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just the best thing ever. So keep doing that. Yeah. It's a whole part of, you know, humanity that is such a huge part of who we are mm-hmm. that when, you know, we don't encourage that or people don't take that step into music, there's it, it's a part of our soul, a part of our DNA that we're not working with mm-hmm. and i'm sure even those that can't you know like i the only instrument i play is the radio mm-hmm. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> or spotify <laughs> yeah. but still i can appreciate it like you know i sing i yeah i was gonna say you're a singer <laughs> yeah, like, yeah i've done musicals all the whatever yeah. but i'm not i'm not great but still it, that challenge of learning to read music and going through that there it's good for the soul and the mind um, it absolutely is. i mean if you look at all cultures around the world that's one thing that we all have yeah you know, yeah. music yeah. Um, and some sort of spiritual practice. Yeah. So wherever that fits in, whether it's religion, whether it's just some sort of connection with the world around you. But yeah. I think that is something that I do as well as just, I mean, I'm not a religious person. I was back in the day and mm-hmm. I've had my issues with, with religion, but I, I, I think religion is so beautiful now. And yeah. I've learned to really like take a step back and, and look at that and religion and, and spirituality and your connection with whatever it is that connects us all. Um, yeah this thing that's just super intelligent in the world yeah. that is exuded in all things. It's just beautiful to see. Yeah. I like to say to people, you know, there's you know, man has created or humans have created hundreds of religions, mm-hmm. you know, so why not create your own? Every, yeah. We've been doing it forever. Yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> so, exactly it. so why not sit down and create something that works for you works that for fits you into and, your life? And that's my view on it really is, you know, nobody's gotten it right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty selfish to think that, you know what, yeah, everybody else the around right the world, yeah. they're all wrong, but yeah. I picked the right one. Like, yeah. that's kind of silly in my yeah. head. But if we look across all religions and all cultures and we see, you know, what are the, the common denominators here? That's probably where the truth lies somewhere. Yeah. And right? it's it's the practice. It's the community. It's the that's ritual. Exactly all it. of those things help mm-hmm. us, you know, like I... I like the way in the the way it's taught, like from the, the First Nations, mm-hmm. where they looked at everything as medicine. You know, like medicine. the stories were medicine, the dancing was medicine. You know mm-hmm. that that connection and that, yeah. that that sacrifice to the to the mm-hmm. trees and the animals and everything that and was gratitude. a way of showing gratitude and connection and yes. respect. Yeah. And you know, taking those ideas and those concepts and applying it to your life and making it fit you. It's beautiful. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be um, like I'm an atheist, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I recognize that we need something like that. Oh, yeah. That's ex- kind of similar to where I'm at. Like, yeah. you understand, like, how important a sense of community is. Yeah. Because really, when it all comes down to it, we all just want to be loved. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something that's so beautiful about religion. That's why I like it for a lot of people is that it gives them community. I'm really yeah. lucky that I found community in other places. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like I need to be part of a church to feel that. Whereas for some people, that's their only community that they yeah. have. 
And that's where they feel love. That's where they feel connected. And that's beautiful. And I think they, I should, we should encourage that. Yeah. Um, but not to have the mindset that, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. And yeah. you have to do what, my, what I do. And you can't have your own thought process. Yeah. That part I don't agree with. But I think it is something that is beautiful. So, yeah, I think that's having some sort of spiritual practice, whether it's, you know, for me, like, I don't go to church. I don't really have, like, a, I don't talk to a higher power or anything like that. But for me, I, I hike a lot. I go out to the mountains a lot. And that's... Mm-hmm. A spiritual practice for me to climb to the top of a mountain and just sit and look at the vastness of the world and and then yeah. thinking about how that is nothing when you compare that to mm-hmm. the universe around us we are just infinitesimally small <laughs> and getting that perspective from the top of a mountain is is beautiful and that really gives me perspective into my life as well mm-hmm. um so doing stuff like that uh, movement is i guess kind of the next step of things that i do yeah. um because I don't think there's just one thing. You, know, you don't just do one thing to for your mental health. It's it's every day and it's all day. So um, movement, you know, some sort of physical exercise every day, whether that's going out for a walk, listening to a podcast, which I do quite a lot, <laughs> um, or going to the gym, going for a hike, doing some like gentle stretching, doing some gentle movement. Something every day is something that I, I incorporate into my life. And I notice that if I miss that, then I start to notice changes yeah. in my body and, and in my mental health. And then kind of the last thing I think, and I think Mackenzie talked about this, um, is on her episode was what you put into your body. Yeah. You know, there are a hundred trillion bacterial cells living within us. That's 10 times more cells than there are human cells. Yeah. (laughs) So we are 90% bacteria. Yeah. (laughs) So if you think about that, you know, the bacterial cells are a lot smaller. So, I mean, we only have two to 10 pounds worth of bacteria that we're all carrying around every day. That's also a lot of bacteria. Yeah. 10 pounds worth of bacteria. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but, you know, they outnumber ourselves 10 to 1. So, and they are how we interact with the world around us and how we protect ourselves against the world around us. So, to me, part of my mental health and under, my understanding of neuroscience and the gut-brain axis and how that all works, making sure that my gut is functioning well, that I'm eating good food, that I'm feeding the 10, mm-hmm. sorry, 100 trillion bacteria, that I'm feeding them well. Yeah. my little super army um, yeah. that's fighting the world around me. So I need to make sure that I'm feeding those little guys. Um, so eating good food. Yeah. And I notice that if I'm having crappy food, my my mental health suffers. Well, there's so much into that because if you eat the wrong foods, it feeds the wrong bacteria, And those mm-hmm. bacteria mm-hmm. have an effect on your emotions Absolutely. and how you perceive the world. Absolutely. So when we fill it full of sugar or other things, the wrong bacteria, the imbalance shifts and it changes our mood and our mental it health. It really does. It's, so, and, I and that's really, something we could go into forever. Oh, yeah. And but. it truly is the, the next thing in medicine is yeah. individualized health through your gut, yeah. healing the body through the gut. And I think you know, people are already talking about it, but if we can all just do a couple of things every day just to make sure that our gut is working well or that we're just at least giving it more than we were before, um, you'll notice changes in how you're thinking. Yeah. It's cool. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's just, you know, all of those tools and techniques yeah, are beautiful. Lot <laughs> Lots are. And again, you know, one thing we're learning continually through these podcasts or as we interview different people, it's, you know, everyone's got their own little path and there's mm-hmm. different tools and how they pull it together. And I think, you know, unfortunately with the way things are online and in books and everything, everyone thinks, oh, there's, I have to find that perfect path. There's this book or there's this answer. Yeah. No, no, you have to find what works for you. And exactly. that's what makes it long lasting and makes it work for you. you it's know? just like sit, sit down and practice and test and 
keep what works and get rid of exactly. what doesn't. And it's, it's the same thing as a diet, you know, like one diet works well for somebody. I mean, I hate the word diet because it mm-hmm. should be a lifestyle because yeah. you often don't stick with that. So it's the same thing with mental health. It's not about finding what worked for somebody else and then trying to apply it to your life because that's not going to work because you're no. different. You're yeah. not the same person as them. Yeah. Um, you can learn from them and say, hey, let's try this and see if I find that it works for me too. Um, but really just learning, checking with yourself and saying, like, does this serve me? Does this fill yeah. me up, fill my cup yeah. as a thing that I'm doing? Yes yeah. or no? No, yeah. I don't need it. I don't need that in my life. Let's let's try something else yeah. and kind of go from there. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Let, let's end with that. I've already kept awesome. you longer than oh, I, my, I, I need, promised. I need to look at the time. My, <laughs> my goodness. I'm, thanks so, for listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you made it to the end, I mean. Well, it's not as long as Michelle Traxel was. I, oh, I loved her episode. Was, it was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> she's very passionate. She is. I love her so much. I just love her. Oh. Well, thank you everyone for listening. You thank know, you, you. Uh, Dax and your beautiful soul, thank an you. amazing young man. And uh, you are going to be a, uh, very valuable member of our community. We're grateful for you that you're here and we hope you, you're here for a long time. Um, you know, I know when I came to Okotoks 13 and a half years ago, whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I was excited to be here and I wasn't sure how long, but I'm glad I'm here and it's all yep. worked out beautifully and, you know, we, we need you here. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been yeah. awesome. I really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about uh, Dr. Daxon, um, I will have his uh, information in our description. Uh, he's at Thrive Chiropractic. And um, yeah, he's a great resource and a great chiropractor. We're very thank grateful you. to have him here in our community. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone have a lovely evening. Uh, take care good. of yourself. And, uh, you know, if anything, the thing that keeps coming up through all of these is the route to your mental health is loving and accepting yourself. Mm, amen. And from there, everything else comes along. So let's let's focus on that because if we can love ourselves, it can protect us in those times when we don't have our community, when those around us aren't loving and accepting us. Mm. But that's the next step. Oh, Excellent. I love Th- that. Thank you so much, everyone. Love you all. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> wasn't that an amazing interview with Dax? I had so much fun. He is just a really beautiful and unique individual and I love his energy and his, you know, authenticity He is definitely someone who, you know, is open and sharing vulnerable, but yet at the same time, he is, you know, a hard worker and a passionate person about helping others and, you know, really making a difference here in this community. And we're grateful to have him, you know, like he mentioned, he's new here to Okotoks. He's, I've been practicing since uh, July 1st, so he's only been at it for a few months here, and um, he's already building himself a nice practice. Um, my half-daughter goes and sees him and really enjoys him, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to go and see him for a visit as well. You know, when we, you know, particularly talk on this subject of uh, acceptance and self-acceptance and finding out who we are, and having the courage to follow that path. Yes, it is important that our community as a whole accepts us and embraces us with open arms, without judging. And that's what I hope Okotoks can be. It can be that bastion in this, you know, uh, of Alberta for those that accept. We are a, you know, um, community in the foothills. We are a community in a small, uh, you know, 
outside of this big urban center of Calgary. And some of these smaller towns in Alberta don't have a great reputation for being open and accepting and supporting of people uh, who are gay and of color and who are trans. And we need to be that example. Um, so those who are listening, please, you know, reach out and get to know those people. And if, you know, if you don't know anyone yet, then when someone says something that is judgmental and hurtful and harmful, please stand up for them, say something, you know, show love and compassion for those that are desperately trying to be their true selves. You know, if you think about the thing that you love most, like if you are a, um, you know, a diehard Christian and it is the most important thing to you in your life, your faith and, you know, following Jesus. And if someone came along and said, I'm sorry, that's not acceptable. You know, we don't like it. We don't agree with it. You have to pretend to be something else. You have to hide that. You know, if someone came along and, you know, all of a sudden decided, no, you can't be a man anymore. You have to pretend to be a woman. That would drive you nuts. And we have to take the time to place ourselves in their shoes and their experiences and realize how damaging and harmful and hurtful it is to place someone in an identity that is not their own. And we can be the change. We can be that support and love in our community to help these people find who they are and feel comfortable with who they are. You know, uh, one of the things that I share a lot in the course is how, one, we need to let go of two things in our lives that are harmful and hurtful to all of us. And that is competition and judgment. And when we try to compare ourselves to others or make ourselves better than others, um, we are, in a sense, separating ourselves from other people. And when we decide that what they believe is, is, isn't as good as what we believe, or that our facts are different, <laughs> or that somehow they are less than us because of who they are and what they do, that doesn't make our communities better. That doesn't make you better. It doesn't make them worse. It just harms everyone. And we need to let go of this need to judge and compete. And we need to embrace and support one another. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be a better community and we can't compete with ourselves and become the best of who we are and embrace all the talents and abilities and you know, strengths we have to become the best we can be. That doesn't mean we can't do that. But focusing on that rather than, you know, hoping that someone else fails so I win, that doesn't make the communities a whole better. It doesn't make our world better. We need to focus on making ourselves better and more supportive and caring so everyone gets raised up. So, again, those, those are the two things I talk about in the course we need to let go of. The two things we need to embrace— are expressing gratitude and service. And Daxon talked about a lot of that, you know, continually expressing gratitude daily for what he has and where he's able to be now in his life and to be really authentic and not only be who he is, 
but to follow his dreams. And as he's serving not only through his work, but through his community, you know, afterwards we had a good talk about the things he wants to do for the LGBTQ community and for our community in general. And when we can find those ways to lift up others, we can do so much more good. And I implore all of us to follow that path, to follow your Tao and to find ways to serve others and to express gratitude for the abundance we have. This is really a beautiful world. And despite what the media tries to tell us <laughs> and the challenges that we're dealing through, we are still in such a better place than we have ever been on this planet. And yes, we have to make great changes to keep it beautiful and to protect the climate and everyone. But we need to have hope in order to do that. And when we just look at the world as this dangerous, scary place that has no hope, then either we'll do nothing or we'll sit around and wait for someone to come along and fix it. And whether that's some other human or a god, our role is to do what we can to make a difference today. And I ask you that question now. What can you do? What can you do today and tomorrow to make your community a better place? Thank you for listening. And uh, again, thank you, Daxon, for coming in and spending this time with us. I had a great time. And I look forward to other times where maybe him and I can sit down and further discuss things. If you want to learn more about my course and uh, about the five elements of letting go, you can go to jaredmccollum.com or follow the links in the description below. And uh, one thing that uh, we put out to all our Healing Elements family just yesterday and today is I'm going to start recording some high-quality guided meditations and uh, putting them out there for people to listen to. So um, if you have any quests, send us a message at, uh, through uh, jaredmccollum.com or through healingelements.ca. And um, again, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, we invite you to subscribe through your uh, provider, whether that's Apple or Spotify or Google Music or whatever it is. And uh, if you don't mind taking the time to rate it, that just helps putting it out there so we can reach more people and help more people. And they really appreciate it because we know that with feedback we're getting is this is helping and we want to help more people. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Love yourself first and everything will follow. Thank you. Thank you.